You're listening to Frontlines, a podcast for the people that truly make mountain biking happen. Not the riders, racers, or product designers, but the builders, advocates, and the often forgotten board members of your local mountain bike trail association. The last eight episodes, we've explored the theme of inclusivity. Whether it's speaking to guests on why inclusivity is so important, or hearing from experts about various ways that we can increase diversity within mountain biking to better reflect the greater surrounding world, I hope you've learned something new. I know I have a number of times over. Now, we're certainly not done with this discussion, and I'm sure it will continue to be a theme throughout this entire podcast. That said, I'm excited to introduce a new topic of discussion that we'll be covering over the next three episodes. My guests come from three organizations, each larger than the one previous. The final episode of this trilogy will be a discussion with the new executive director of the International Mountain Bike Association, David Waynes. But without getting ahead of myself, I'm your host, Brent Hillier. You're listening to episode 11 of Frontlines. A couple years back, I went to Sea Otter for the first time, and one of the very first things that I saw when I rolled into the venue was a camper van with a few bikes strapped to the back and a bumper sticker with the words, Imba sucks. After a good chuckle, I asked myself, does Imba suck? As mountain bikers, we have this instinctual hatred for any organized governing body. It's a muscle reaction from evolving from a fringe sport. Because of this, we trust boots on the ground and small grassroots groups made up of builders and riders. Many of these grassroots clubs grow as organizations and some will evolve and become successful trail associations. A successful trail association is one that works with land managers and other stakeholders. And unfortunately, as a club gets bigger, the enemies within the mountain bike community seem to increase as well. So how big can a club get before enough mountain bikers no longer trust it? and the organization fails to get the support of the community they claim to be working for. And the second question is, why as mountain bikers do so many of us not see the benefits of working together? Despite the cost, there are huge advantages. My guest is Thomas Schoen. He's the chair and president of the Caribou Mountain Bike Consortium, a grassroots organization in the Caribou-Chilcotins region of British Columbia, surrounding the community of Williams Lake. Hi, Thomas. Welcome to the show. Hey, Brian. Thanks for having me on. Really excited to talk to you about mountain biking. Yeah. So what is the Caribou Mountain Bike Consortium? Excellent question to start out with because it's often misunderstood uh, what, what exactly our role is. In a nutshell, we are a tourism marketing initiative. We are the second largest uh, tourism marketing group in BC's interior, mostly working out of Williams Lake, but we've got a couple other uh, partner communities I can talk about later. But yeah, we promote tourism. We want to get people to ride the trails in the interior of BC, and we're doing this from a mountain bike perspective uh, obviously our 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 thinking is our thought is in order to in order to have a marketable uh, product we need to we need to invest in development so 
So really our our work branches out in, in, in many areas. Like again, first of all, we are promoting the, 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 the trails in the area, our mountain bike infrastructure. But in order to to have a to have a, a kick-ass product we're constantly adding to the trail networks in the interior and we do that by providing assistance to local mountain bike clubs uh, we found that a lot of the a lot of the smaller local communities and clubs don't have the capacity to to take on a ton of administrative work or or there is a lack of, of interest in taking on this administrative work. And that's exactly where the Caribou Mountain Bike Consortium steps in. Our directors do the grant writing. We do the liaison work with First Nations and, and the communities in the interior. And we're going to get things rolling. If you need assistance dealing with uh, Ministry of Rec Sites and Trails, we can step in because we have the experience. So, yeah. Uh, to, to summarize it, we're a marketing group, but we heavily concentrate on infrastructure developing to have a product to market. So who's included in this consortium? We are a relatively small group uh, of, of directors. We have a board of directors. We are a, we are a non-profit uh, organization. And we work with four communities at the moment, uh, starting on the southern end of, of, of our corridor. Uh, it's, it's the community of 100 Mile House, then Williams Lake, Quinell, and the smaller mountain community of Wells and Barkerville, so the district of Wells. So four communities at the moment, um, but we're in discussion with, with Bella Coola. There's a lot of mountain bike development uh, uh, happening in, in, in the Bella Coola Valley right now. So we'd like to take that community in into our group and expand a bit to the west there. And yeah, so those are the four main communities that are supporting us uh, on a on a regional uh, municipal municipal level and it's it's only a board of directors the reason we don't have a general membership is because we are not competing with any of the local clubs we don't want to take uh, membership uh, away from from the local mountain bike clubs so we um, so 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 we keep it to the to the board of directors so when did this concept start? We started in 2011. Our group was was spearheaded uh, by by my friend Justin Kaloff. He came up with the idea and the concept. He saw that need and we hired him as our executive director. He he worked for he worked for a few years out of Williams Lake, and then the other the other guy who really was involved right from the beginning was uh, Mark Savard, the owner of a local bike shop here at Shreds. And yeah, he's 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 crucial on on keeping us on track and keeping this organization going. With this region, um, like it's a it's a fairly large geographical region. Mm -hmm. What would you say like average driving time between these? communities are like how long would it take for you to get from one community to the next 
if you do the jump from community to community, it's, it's, it's roughly an hour in between communities. You can easily drive from 100 Mile House up to Williams Lake in an hour, same idea. You can drive to Quinell in an hour, and then again, it's exactly an hour to, to uh, Wells and Barkerville. So, so really, it's, it's about a four-hour drive from one end of, of the trail, of the regional trail network to the other end um, if, if you're going up, for, up to Wells. And, and we are developing trails along that corridor. Just in the last two years, uh, with, with the help of the Soda Creek First Nations, just north of Williams Lake, we've developed a, a, a trail network uh, in between Williams Lake and Quinell now. And the same thing is happening between 100 Mile House and, and Williams Lake in 150 Mile House. There is more development, uh, new trails uh, being built by the, by the Williams Lake Indian band a dedicated first nations trail crew there so so we're filling we're filling the gaps and the idea behind that is to give visitors more options obviously it's it's it, it's really cool if you can break up your drive you're right at a trail network along the highway 97 corridor and if you feel like it you know you get your partner to drop you off for a for a quick 20 minute uh, shuttle rip or or you go for a for a pedley ride in between pitch your tents and then hit the next community the following day kind of deal. Yeah, like this is quickly becoming one of the the big destinations for for mountain bikers on on and I would even say beyond Vancouver, but the the West Coast in general. Like, where are you seeing people are are coming from when they when they visit the interiors right now? We we are collecting a lot of statistics. Uh, we we're really good when it comes to tracking our our visitor statistics, and we we offered uh, or, the, or the city of Williams Lake, I should say, offered a free shuttle service two summers ago to collect additional data, and we can really see a lot of or most of our out of region visitors coming from the lower mainland uh yeah i'd say most of most of the riders are coming up from 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 the lower mainland uh but we also get a, a relatively large group of uh riders from the north coming to our area uh, simply because the trails open up earlier in the season uh often late march april our trails are snow free our our riding season is on so so people who are itching to to get a ride in from prince george burns lake smithers uh the the the, the northern corridor are making the uh, weekend trip down to Williams Lake to to ride our trails. So um, yeah, it, it it really varies a bit uh, depending on on the time of year. But in in general, we can say most of our out of region riders are coming from from uh, the Lower Mainland with a with a growing segment from the northwestern United States. Like the word is out that there is some good riding here in the interior and and different riding, uh, dry country, uh, open fir forest. So so yeah, people people are coming. Well, I think that's a testament to to the fact that you can go there and and spend more than even just a weekend, you know, you can go there and spend a full week, like with all of these communities in, in relatively close proximity, like this is, this is becoming a, a, a vacation destination. Like you can spend a week on the sea to sky corridor, 
or you can go up there and spend a week up there, right? And and it's suddenly becoming a, a very uh, comparable option for mountain bikers, which is which is pretty incredible, you know. And, and that's something that uh, that I, I would assume the the consortium played a huge role in doing. So, what were some of the projects? What were some of the undertakings that the consortium took on to really get that tourism drive to come out to the region? We really started out with a bang when we when we developed uh, the the new Williams Lake signature trail in in. 2012, 2013, snakes and ladders, uh, huge development, uh, a, a, a number of local builders involved, uh, a massive amount of, of wooden structures, uh, suspension bridges, a really unique trail that, that, that quickly became Williams Lake's signature trail, uh, easily shuttable, but a lot of options of climbing up to the top, a real mixed bag, so to speak, you know, there's, there's some on the trail for everyone from gnarly steep loose sections to old school wooden stunts and 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 we wanted we wanted to bring that back a bit that was something the local riding community wanted to see is have some of the 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 the, the 15 20 year old wooden structures rebuilt but to a to a higher standard but in in in, in the same in the same theme so that was that was really the first big project that the consortium pulled off uh, we we secured funding. We we administered the project together with the Williams Lake Cycling Club, and and then other communities approached. Uh, you know, outlying communities came said, "Hey, can we do something similar? How can we how can we create the same hype in in our community?" Uh, Williams Lake is 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 definitely our our center. We have, we are focused on Williams Lake because we have the most trails and it's 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 known in the riding community. Uh, so in, in in some of the other communities, we 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 have to start building infrastructure more from the ground up with signage, mapping, uh, even just building uh, more of a club culture in, in those communities. Quinell is a really prime example. And just recently, last year, uh, the, the Quinell got, got on board with, with starting the process of developing master trail network planning. Uh, so, so we are on the right track there. But yeah, it all started out with, with a regional signature trail in Williams Lake. You mentioned club culture. Mm-hmm. And and why is that so important? We we need club culture and the number one reason is volunteers and community buy-in. Uh, Williams Lake is a really good example. Uh, we're not it it doesn't it doesn't matter so much to us who who is who is uh, who are the political leaders at, at any given time? You know, we, we get support from 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 uh, all kinds of political uh, uh, groups. Uh, if if Mayor and Council changes, for example, it doesn't mean our programs are getting shut down because in Williams Lake, everyone has a, a son, a nephew, a niece, a brother who is who is into mountain biking. Almost every person in that community is somehow connected 
connected to mountain biking. They see people riding their bikes, their own businesses, they supply services to mountain bikers, or, or, or they have a personal connection as a rider or as a relative uh, of, of riders. So, so to keep this mountain bike culture up and keep awareness up, a large club membership is important to us. We want to show high numbers uh, to, to, our, to our local and regional politicians. That's, that's number one. Number two is we need, we need a club to, to have, a, have a large uh, volunteer trail building and trail maintenance crew. Uh, we, we need people to help us. We can't do it always with government funding or with, with donations. So we need and we want uh, uh, local riders to go out and help us maintain the trails and build new trails. And, and that's really where the club culture comes in. Besides all the, all the social aspects of having group rides, having friends to ride with, uh, creating events and, and uh, yeah, host hosting events so it yeah mostly it comes down to to the volunteer base and and local support is there any resistance with with some communities and and not wanting uh that tourism attention like not wanting that that traffic that additional traffic on their trails yes that's that's certainly a discussion that comes up with some riders also i have to say the 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 group that is in that corner is not as verbal and as outspoken so so we we don't often directly hear it. We hear it indirectly from other riders who, who who tell us about people who are not happy with our approach. There is certainly a group out there that is not in support of of what we are doing because they, so to speak, want to keep the trails to themselves. Mm-hmm. Frankly, in my point of view, legal trails are great. We want our trails protected. We want as many riders on our trails. It increases our our chances um, on funding. We can and keep the trails maintained and and we don't we don't have a problem we're not the sea to sky corridor <laughs> we're not squamish you're not out there and you're seeing hundreds of riders on any given day you still you can still ride up here and and run into very few other mountain bikers if you're out there for a for a day or half a day so it's it's really not so much of an issue but but i have to acknowledge that that group is out there but it is changing you know it's right now i can give you a really good example in williams lake uh, we, we, the, the, the forest surrounding the, the, the community of Williams Lake has a recent uh, beetle attack. Uh, trees need to be taken out. Uh, it's done by, by helicopter logging or by on-ground crews. So a lot of our trails are impacted. A lot of those trails were built by volunteers anywhere between the 1990s and now. And and those trails are all protected. So if 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 a logging company comes in, they need to do people salvage uh, logging in those areas. They have to negotiate with us through the government through rec sites and trails. We have a stake. Uh, we'll talk to them. 
they give us money to, to, to repair the damage that's done to the trails and that gets back to, to the riders or to the volunteer trail builders who are somewhat opposed to, to that whole system of, of legal trails and it, it, it changes their, their mind and it changes their, their behavior because they see, hey, it, there is something to having a legal trail network because all of a sudden my work is protected. I don't have to worry about these trails being taken down definitely a discussion i've had in uh in past episodes is is the advantage to legal trails and, and there's a lot of opposition to it um and there's you know there's a lot of challenges mm-hmm. to legalizing trails and and i certainly don't want to take away from from those challenges and and sometimes there are it can be easier to just grab a shovel go out and and you know s- scrape in a line but um but at the end of the day those trails are are exposed to being decommissioned and and uh there's advantages to doing things the right way. And it, it sounds like you guys are, are doing that, which is great. Absolutely. I think, I think a lot of listeners right now are, are kind of thinking like, you know, this sounds familiar, you know, it sounds almost like the, the caribou mountain bike consortium and uh, it, they're very similar to IMBA and like a chapter program. And, and what's the difference between, between you and, and something like IMBA or evergreen uh, this kind of chapter umbrella trail association i i think the biggest difference is 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 the grassroots approach and our close connectivity to 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 the local and the regional governments they acknowledge what we're doing we have a foot in the door we can pick up the phone and call the mayor of 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 the four partner communities and say hey we need your help we've got an issue here how can we work uh, to get funding for Trail X? What could be our next our next project? Uh, we 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 do get the support because we we live and work in these communities, and I really think that's where the where the local or the or the regional approach comes in. If we work with with our with 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 our regional funding agencies from the Beetle Action Coalition to Northern Development Initiative Trust, they know us. Uh, they they've been working with us for years. They. Get our, they get our ideas, they get our proposals, uh, and, 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 and we can, or we have established a real close working relationship. The same is true when it comes to the regional district and in our area, the Caribou Regional District. So, so, so we are well connected and, and, and that's just easier on a, on a, on a regional level than on a, on a provincial or national level. What would you say to a, a trail association or a bike club that um, that's kind of thinking that maybe this this is something that might work for them? Maybe they've got a couple neighbors that are, are relatively close to them, and uh, and they would want to start uh, a consortium. What's what's kind of the 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 first thing to think about when uh, when thinking about starting something like the the mountain bike consortium? I think the first thing is. You, you you have to get the buy-in from from your local mountain bike clubs. You don't you you, you don't want to come across as a as as an organization that's completely removed from those grassroots clubs. You have to make it very clear that you there to help them, not the other way around. You there to lend administrative support, fundraising support, grant writing support. Uh, assistance in trail development and trail building. 
I think once once you have that buy-in, you're, you're set. There might not be a need for an organization like the Caribou Mountain Bike Consortium if if you have a really strong club that spreads beyond your, your community borders. But that's very, very rarely the case. So I would really encourage other 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 regions, other areas to look at that model. Um, I you know I think a model like this could work extremely well for communities in the Kootenays, in the Okanagan, and in the North. Uh, if you if you look at the whole corridor from Prince George uh, to Smithers, you know you could include Burns Lake in, in 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 a group like that. And and we are on 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 the radar of a lot of mountain bike clubs and a lot of mountain bike advocates. So they are aware of what we are doing uh, and and they're definitely looking at that model um, we, we we're here to help to set you up a model like this uh, we, we we're happy to lend support I mean we we're, we're mountain bike enthusiasts and advocates and if if other if other regions can can follow that model uh, we're all for it what's uh what's next for the consortium what's uh what's the plans for for 2017? Huge regional mountain bike development project. Uh, we want to put the whole area on the map once again with with the Desu Mountain Trail uh, upgrade project. Desu Mountain is about thirty minutes west of Williams Lake. Uh, a lot of your listeners will be familiar with it if they have been to the Caribou region. Um, a lot of out-of-town tour groups visit Desu. It's it's very, very suitable for network expansion. There always have been trails on Desu, but we want to we, we wanna expand and develop it. We're working on, a, on, a, on an up-trail, long 17-kilometer uh, climbing line to the top of the mountain. Uh, new downhill trails, big campsite development. Uh, we want to be able to host events out there. It's it's a big project. We secured a lot of funding. The work has already started. We're we're, we're just signing partnership agreements with local First Nations. Uh, we will be using that whole network there as a bit of a training facility for First Nations crews. Um, we're we're working with. Um, with TIU in Kamloops on a, on a program where we'll be training um, mountain bike trail builders for a few days at, at the Sioux Mountain. So a huge multi-phase project, probably a three-year project, and we just got started in November of 2016, and we're, we're gearing up uh, full swing to get crews out there as, as soon as, as the snow's gone. Awesome. Yeah. And, and Desu is, as far as, uh, my favorite places to ride, Desu is probably top three. Um, it is, uh, it is an unbelievable spot. So any, any expansion that goes on over there would be absolutely amazing for sure. Awesome. What's, um, what's the best way for people to, to follow and, uh, and to see what, what you guys are up to? We have, and I should have mentioned that earlier when you asked how how we got how we got started and what our first uh, main project was. Uh, definitely our website. Uh, we have a website that we constantly update. We feature regional news, uh, a bit of provincial news, and the the address is writethecaribou.ca. Uh, and we actually we 
just incorporated a winter site where we're now uh, featuring winter activities. We find our, our target market is, is very much the same than, than winter enthusiasts, skiers, backcountry skiers, snowboarders. So, so we incorporated a winter site. If you, if you go to write the caribou.ca right now, you'll, you'll, you'll land on our winter landing page. And from there, on you can navigate to all the other pages. So yeah, you can certainly get in touch with us, and you can you can follow what's going on here in the in the Caribou through through our website. Awesome. Well, Thomas, thanks for taking the time to chat with me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for thanks for what you're doing. It's it's always good to to get the word out on on advocacy and and uh, mountain bike development in in British Columbia. I really. I really appreciate it and I hope some of your listeners will will be in touch with with our group and we can form some some partnerships in the future. Thank you. Thank you. Thomas mentioned the term signature trail. It's a term I've heard a few times, and when it comes to marketing a mountain bike tourism destination, having a signature trail is key. That one recognizable trail or even feature can sometimes be the single draw for a rider to visit a trail network. Having a robust and diverse network, as well as a fun and engaged community might be the reason for those visitors to then spread the word and tell two friends to visit. But it can be a single photo of a feature or a section of trail that spurs the interest of that original visit. And that's such a mountain biker quality. You see something that looks like it could be good and you just need someone to explore it and come back with the beta. That quality is also the reason why illegal trails aren't sustainable. We as mountain bikers are social creatures. We will inevitably tell two friends and they'll tell two friends and so on and so on. There's value to sanctioned trails. And playing by the rules although can be challenging and frustrating, has its advantages. When the trails in Williams Lake were being logged, the mountain bike club was at the table for negotiations to have the damaged trails repaired or receive funding to do the repairs themselves. Thomas also touched on the fact that rider traffic is a concern, but compared to other regions, the caribou will never see the types of numbers that the Vancouver, Squamish, Whistler region will see. My guest next episode comes from a popular region. Yvonne Krauss is the executive director of the Evergreen Mountain Bike Association in the state of Washington. We'll discuss their recent lobby day, where board members visit state legislators in the capital to speak for mountain biking access and funding. If you have anything to comment about this episode, past episodes, and future episodes, then you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at BrenskyBikeski. Brand new this week, you can follow the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at FrontlinesMTB. So head over to your favorite social media app and give us a like. Big thanks to those who have already done that. Any news or info about upcoming episodes will be posted there. And if you want to help the show by supporting it, you can head over to bikeski.ca slash support and donate via PayPal. And funds received will go towards web hosting costs and new equipment so that Frontlines can continue to bring you the best content possible. If you'd like to include your voice in a future episode, then please send me an audio file and I'll try to include you. Just email me at brent at bikeski.ca. And if you or someone you know is interested, Frontlines is currently looking for contributors. 
I'm hoping to grow the team and expand the voices of the podcast, providing some additional perspective and opinions. If you haven't done so already, rate the podcast on iTunes or whatever podcatcher you're using. It helps others find the show. Music is once again provided by Lee Rosevere and production notes by Jennifer Pride. And finally, I'm Brent Hillier. This is Frontlines. Thanks for listening and happy trails.